0: Today's show is brought to you by the Dave Chang Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Michelin star chef Dave Chang now has a podcast right here on the Ringer Podcast Network, produced in partnership with Major Domo Media. Volume one of the pre-opening diaries went up last Thursday, in which Dave sits down with our boss Bill Simmons to talk about everything that led up to him deciding to move to Los Angeles. It's a riveting conversation in which you get to hear one of the greatest chefs in the world share his thought process in opening a restaurant. Volume 2 is coming this Thursday, so go subscribe to The Dave Chang Show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, The Ringer NBA Show. Welcome to the Ringer NBA show. I'm Chris and Joining me as he does every Tuesday, which we are recording late Monday night after we just watched game one of the Celtics versus the 76ers it is from the ringer.com, Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, a.k.a. Kevin O'Concert, a.k.a. Kevin Ocomment, a.k.a. <laughs> whatever. Kevin!
1: Chris, I think this is our first Monday night edition of the show. I'm excited.
0: It is a, a late Monday night edition of the show. We just got done watching Celtics versus Sixers. 117 Whoa. to 101. Whoa. Terry Rozier, Scary Terry, Al Horford, Jason Tatum combined for 83 points. The Celtics led by as much as 19 in the game. And Oof. a rather surprising... How, how, what adjective do we use to... uh to describe this performance. I mean, it's a, this is like a friggin' masterpiece considering J, Jalen Brown was out. It,
1: it's stunning to me in the sense that part of, like, okay, everybody expected Celtics defense to possibly give the Sixers some problems, right? But... Everything that could have went right for Boston this game absolutely did. They came in with a spectacular game pin, building a wall to keep Ben Simmons out of the paint. Their transition defense was fantastic. All the key guys you already, met, already mentioned had fantastic games for them. Philly wasn't hitting some of the open shots that they were getting. but But overall, I mean... Boston, I think, completely exploited some of the matchups on the floor. Tatum versus Redick, uh, pulling Embiid out of the paint with Al Horford. Uh, they came in with a spectacular game plan and um, really a, almost a wake-up call for Philadelphia. They haven't faced a defense like this in months.
0: Well, and you see the percentage that Boston shot for this game: forty-eight percent from the field, forty-seven percent from three, and that's and and meanwhile. Uh, Philly shoots 19% from three. I mean, just from the three-point line. Uh, let's see. They had 17. Philly had five three-pointers for the game. So that's a 36-point difference just from the three-point line. Wow.
1: For sure. And I think, you know, it's easy to say, look, Philadelphia hit shots. If Robert Covington didn't have such a poor game, it would have been different. And that's true. But I do think Celtics defense certainly knocked Philadelphia out of their rhythm with their defense. Ben Simmons was really, really limited in the half court. Um, The way Boston was defending him with Al Horford was the primary defender for the majority of the possessions, but they're really building a wall with their entire defense um, to keep him out of the lane. And Philadelphia was a bit more stagnant on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, the, the tracking numbers aren't, aren't out yet, but I would imagine that they probably had fewer passes over the course of the game. Um, just seemed like the ball wasn't as, moving as crisply as it usually does for that team. And I think a lot of threes that they were taking weren't of the higher quality threes that they normally would get, like they did versus the Heat, or that they did during their win streak towards the end of the season.
0: Well, there's this one thing that is worth mentioning. They were so good within the three-point line against Miami that it didn't matter. They got outshot by Miami from the three-point line, 36% to 39%. And in fact, there were two of those games uh towards the end, where you just didn't notice because they ended up winning. I mean, they won that series by a margin of 11 points a game, but there were two of those games where they were a combined 14 of 59 from three, which is 24%. So, I mean, it's not like it's the first time we've seen Philly have bad shooting nights from the three-point line. The thing was, when they were 14 of 59, they still won. So it wasn't that noticeable, right? It becomes super noticeable when they hit five tonight and they get smacked around.
1: Sure, it's definitely partially the shooting. And and what came to mind watching the game was also just some of the matchups. I mean, Philadelphia putting J.J. Redick on Jason Tatum is, is a is a good matchup for the Celtics, which they exploited straight out of the gate. Tatum has a size advantage, an athleticism advantage, a speed advantage, too, for that matter. And he scored a career-high 28 points, um, which actually matches his, his uh, high that he had at Duke as well as a college freshman. Huh. Um, ba- Boston really just—I don't want to say that they took what what Philadelphia gave them, but they certainly— were strategic in what what they were attacking. When when Al Horford was at center, they were pulling Embiid out of the paint, and Embiid was often reluctant to close out on Al Horford, who had a absolutely tremendous game on both ends of the floor. He was primary defender against Ben Simmons, um, 10 of 12 from the floor, seven rebounds, four assists. He, he did what Al Horford does. He does all the little things, but he also did a lot of the big things for Boston as well.
0: Well, and we know from what we saw from Simmons in the first round, if you it, listen, if there are games where he is going to have more turnovers than assist Philly's in real trouble. And that's what happened in game one, right? He ends up with seven yeah. turnovers. He ends up with six assists. I mean, he's the engine. Everything depends upon him. It really does.
1: With Ben Simmons, um, we, we've talked about this before. I've, I've written about it before. It's, you know, tons of people have talked about it. But with Simmons, the the, the question entering the playoffs was, how does Miami defend him? Do they, do they sag off of him? Do they pressure him? And they, they sagged off in game one. It didn't work. Then they pressured him. It still didn't work. And that question remains moving forward. Whether Philadelphia beats Boston or not, moving forward, it'll be the question against the Raptors or the Cavaliers. It would be the question in the finals. And it's the question now, too. And, and they're facing the best defense in basketball. Uh, despite the fact that the team doesn't have Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward snapped his leg five minutes into the season, their defense is still tremendous. And they have a, a number of guys that they can put on Simmons as the primary defender, whether it's Al Horford, whether it's even Marcus Smart, who had some really good possessions against Ben Simmons over the course of the game, whether it's Shemi Ojole or Marcus Morris, or when Jalen Brown comes back, Tatum for that matter on a switch, they have a lot of bodies that they can put on Ben Simmons and feel good about the matchup because their defense is so connected with rotations, with communications, and it's so talented that if I'm a Sixers fan, I watch this game and I'm like, whew, I mean, we got to figure out a way to get Simmons involved, right? Whether it's posting him up more and having him be aggressive uh, uh, down low, which Philadelphia did start to do, Chris. You know, in that second half, like they posted him up on Marcus Smart. Um, but maybe you need to be a bit more aggressive there and have Simmons posting up to score uh, more so than posting up just to pass, because he he was deferring without even really looking to score. And I I think moving forward, Philadelphia might need a little bit more of an aggressive Ben Simmons.
0: You also, and if you can get that, then you can get these guys to play off of him for sure. because you got virtually, I mean, you got, you got negative, you got negative production out of that bench. And so far, I mean, I think I know there's a bunch of noise in the net ratings, the plus minuses, whatever you want to call them, but Bellinelli was behind only Joel Embiid in plus minus per 48 minutes for the Sixers. Um, it was a big winning proposition you know, whether you want to say it's because he was on the court or not, but his number, he has been a big positive for them as has Ilya Sova. And tonight Bellinelli was a nothing, right? I mean, he was oh, negative. It was, it was a negative impact. Yeah, no doubt. And, and Ilya Sova, you know, he came in and actually he grabbed rebounds. I mean, he missed the shots that he took, but still, you know, they're better with Ilya on the court more nights than not. And There just wasn't much out of that bench. In fact, those were the only two guys to get even a point for the Sixers that weren't in the starting lineup.
1: And despite that, you know watching the game right Celtics immediately anytime Ellie was on the floor they attacked they just yes. relentlessly attacked him anytime he was out there and that's a little bit worrisome because of his importance as a scorer off the bench um especially yep. you know whether he's with JJ Redick or without him i'm not sure in this series you can play both those guys together too much something me and um producer Isaac Lee talked about during the game is Maybe Philadelphia needs to cut their rotation a little bit. Um, T.J. McConnell played second half, but maybe you don't play Amir Johnson. M- maybe maybe you play yeah, I mean, a little bit talking, less. but they
0: only played those guys like five minutes. I know, I mean, I know but nobody even know, got know, real minutes know, for them. I
1: know, but maybe maybe you really need to trim your rotation. Boston played only eight guys until the end of the game when Yabusele and Nader came in.
0: So you're saying even the five minutes that you, you throw Amir out there, the six minutes you throw McConnell out there, I mean, I don't know.
1: I mean, I, I could be totally over Reacting just to one game here, but um, the way Boston did attack Bellinelli, the way they attacked Redick, we talked. We just talked a little bit earlier about how the Celtics have so many guys that they can match up against different players. Um, Philadelphia needs to figure out those matchups. I think one of the things they need to do is, you know, just don't defend Marcus Smart. I mean, I know we hit two threes tonight, um, but Marcus Smart is playing with a bandage on his right hand, and he re-injured it during the game. Uh, Marcus Smart he's going to hit some shots because that's what Marcus Smart, you know, does occasionally, but he's also a sub 30% three-point shooter with a hurt right hand. I think you got to give him the Tony Allen treatment. You got to clog the paint because Boston was really attacking those mismatches. So maybe what you do if you're Philadelphia is put your best defender. Maybe you put Ben Simmons on Marcus when I say best when I say best defender, I mean best perimeter defender, uh, arguably Ben Simmons when he wants to be. So maybe you put him on Marcus Smart. Have him roam, mm-hmm. right off ball and wreak havoc in passing lanes. Have him help on on attackers. Maybe that's what you do. And if Marcus Smart beats you, you know you live with it. But um, certainly, I, I I do worry about some of the matchup problems uh, the Sixers uh,
0: have because that is the shocking thing from this. It is while the Sixers have been so fantastic, and there is obviously always you know the 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 talk is always going to be about offense. They got to go to the defensive drawing board because those percentages, you can just chalk that up and say, wow, they just shot out of their mind. But the truth is this, I thought, and I think most people thought the last thing on earth Boston wants to do. In fact, if you would have told me going in that Boston's going to score 117, I would have thought, oh, I don't know if that's great, right? Because you might (laughs) think that because we've seen the Sixers get to 130, right? We just saw it. In that heat series, we know they're capable of that, right? I, I and don't know. So
1: Celtics I, got the best defense in basketball, though.
0: No, I get season, it. So. I get it. I'm just saying that I thought, given, I mean, they scored 117 without their best player. Without Unless their, you want to no, say their two best, best players. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying they're the best guy they've got theoretically available in Jalen uh, oh
1: Jalen oh, oh okay that's what I'm uh, saying
0: so, he should be available yeah and sure I'm saying yeah. of what they've done so okay. far in the playoffs so
1: you're not even counting Kyrie or Gordon I'm Hayward not counting,
0: <laughs> no I'm not counting them but, but they put
1: it this way they were out three of their five best players
0: yes and but yeah. at least we saw Jalen in the last round yeah. and so what I'm thinking is okay this is a guy that was able to get 30 for you on a couple of different nights. Mm-hmm. And, and play we, really good defense, too. He was their leading scorer. Except for Scary Terry turns into a different cat at home.
1: <laughs> that being said. Isn't that a great nickname? Isn't best, Scary Terry
0: a great nickname? The best Perfect. nickname. The best I love Scary Terry. That's <laughs> so funny. Um so here's what I'm saying. I thought they're gonna have to play him 98 to 92, right? Like that's yeah. the way You're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to put up 117 when you don't have Brown in the lineup. Like who's scoring those points? And I'll be damned. I mean, Brad Stevens has got this thing. There was a moment in time where I'm watching that game and I'm like, you know what? You know what it was reminiscent of? It was the Spurs prior to like, I know they got throttled after they lost Kawhi last year, but for so many years, it was like, it doesn't even matter. Who's in the lineup and who's not? I mean, they lost Kawhi and beat the Rockets last year, but it was like, I don't even, I don't even know if it matters if, like, who's in the game? It's Spurs-esque what these Celtics have done in the sense that, like, how the hell? Like, uh, like, you remember you used to watch and it would be like a Bellinelli or it would be Patty Mills or it would be like, it doesn't even matter who's wearing the jerseys. Jonathan Simmons, right? Whoever. And so now, that's what it feels like with the Celtics. Like any other team, you lose Jalen Brown, you're dead. Instead, they throw up 117 against a higher-seeded team as a five-point underdog on their home floor, and Al Horford has 26, Jason Tatum has 28, Terry Rozier has 29.
1: (laughs) Here's the thing, so... We talked about this today in the room we were watching the game, and, look, Brad Stevens is one of the best coaches in the game, if not the best coach, right? Um, And he certainly enhances all the players that he's brought into his system, whether it was at Butler, whether it was before the Celtics were good, or whether it's now. He enhances everybody. He puts them and his staff in the best positions to succeed. Um, But but the roster construction comes from the front office too, right? Uh, They're the ones who drafted Shemmy Shemmy Ogilvy. A, a super versatile defender with the 37th pick. They're the one who, ones who traded Avery Bradley for Marcus Morris, who has been really good defensively for the Celtics all season once he got healthy. They're, they're the ones who drafted Terry Rozier with the 16th pick. They're, they're the ones who acquired Aaron Baines to replace Amir Johnson, who's done. Uh, They're the ones who drafted, who traded down for Jason Tatum, who drafted Jalen Brown when, when everybody, when all the fans wanted Chris Dunn, it, it, they, they constructed a, a versatile roster that's built to play against virtually any type of team. They can match up against anybody. We mentioned it earlier. How many guys are they going to throw with Simmons? How about the fact that they can throw any of those guys that aren't on Simmons against virtually anybody else on the roster? Philadelphia has got a matchup problem this this series. Uh, Philadelphia probably is still going to be favored, uh, but I I feel a lot I picked Philadelphia in 6 before the series. It's just one game, but I feel a lot less optimistic about that pick right now.
0: Well, listen, they do get credit for the roster construction, but I believe this wholeheartedly. People can scoff at this if they want. Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, Aaron Baines, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, nobody else wins a playoff yeah, game with that starting lineup. Nobody wins a playoff game. Those are some good players, though, dude. Stop.
1: Those are good players, they Chris. Are, they,
0: he, he makes them look even better he he makes them he maximizes them Look, more than anybody else could sure t- we did a show last year talking about Jonathan Simmons and that guy is in witness protection <laughs> like it, I'm telling you that these kids if they went elsewhere and played for somebody else it would not be the same.
1: Maybe, maybe it's possible, but maybe in a different situation, Tatum would still be jacking up mid-range jumpers instead of taking uh, st- side steps into three-pointers. Maybe he would be. Um, but Marcus Smart has always been a great defensive player. Terry Rozier, he's made progressive progress. Is that because of Brad Stevens and the developmental system? Could be. Or it could be that he puts in a hell of a work over there each off season, and the opportunity has finally come. Who knows? Maybe Rosier could have been having games like this earlier if he hadn't been buried in the under the depth chart behind other guys. Who knows? I I think, look, Brad Stevens enhances everybody. This isn't a knock against him. Obviously, he's coach of the year in my opinion. Um, I think it'd be uh, almost uh a little surprising if he didn't win, um, or at least if he didn't get a lot of top three votes, um. He's fantastic, but a lot of the players on this team are, are really good, too, and that's why they had such a successful game against the Sixers. It's not just the game plan. It's also the players that the game plan has helped enhance.
0: I said this when we were talking about it, whatever it was, a couple of weeks ago with the, who was it, like Shane Larkin? I think it was, like Shane Larkin. Like, I, I seen That's Shane Larkin. picking up, getting him from Europe. I'm saying everybody's better playing for Brad Stevens. <laughs> Everybody. I don't think there's one player. That would be better not playing for Brad Stevens. <laughs> I, 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 I agree. I agree with you. I, has we, there been any Celtic that has become better?
1: We're on the same page, Chris. But my my only point is that it's like people are stunned that that like the Celtics are beating the Bucks or that they beat the Sixers. It's like there's a lot of good players on this team. Tatum might be only 20, and granted, Brown didn't play Game One. Oh, he's only 21, but. There's a lot of good talent on the team. There's I very is.
0: rarely think that it is about the coach, but with the Spurs system and now this Celtics system, I do. That's the two times I felt like if I flipped the coaches on the sideline, it would be a different story. Brad Stevens, yes. yeah, he's it's one commercial. of those that I feel like I could throw him on any of these sidelines. I promise you this. You give Brad Stevens that Bucks team, they would have kicked the shit out of the Celtics. I do, I and disagree. I don't care how many... I don't give me a break give me a break <laughs> are you kidding
1: me? I, realize you I'm give on, me I realize I'm on an island here
0: it was Joe Prunty or whatever <laughs> the guy's name is I mean I don't even know who it is
1: the Bucks would have beaten the Celtics if they had Brad Stevens but that doesn't change the fact that the Bucks roster still needs to make improvements like they still need to change the players on the roster and yes, no, there's
0: one Brad Stevens that's what yeah. I'm saying there's one Brad Stevens
1: by, by the way by the way Chris like Philadelphia, they need more from a guy like, this is a random change of topic, but they need more okay. from a guy like Robert Covington. 0 for 4 from tonight, tonight from 3, 0 for 6 from the field. He's been just terribly inconsistent over the course of the season. They need more from him. Uh, it's, not, it's, it's not even just the star players. It's some of their complementary guys that had big games, like Bellinelli hit some wild shots against Miami. They, they need some of these other guys to go off.
0: Yeah, well, especially because what you, you expected more than thirty-one and thirteen out of Embiid. I mean, you got that. You got mm. thirty-one and thirteen out of him.
1: Maybe we do need to expect more. And what I mean is and thirty-one
0: it's like, and thirteen. It ain't his
1: fault. I, I know that, but my, maybe it's the type of thing where if you're not getting more from some of the other guys, you need to just just force feed Joe Ellenbead the, the ball. Because that's it, the problem,
0: it, Kevin. How the hell are they not having better games if he's got thirty-one and thirteen? You know, I mean, he's. it's not like, right, if he's killing it, those other guys should be able to feast. Sure,
1: and I mean, and also on the other side, you could say, well, Terry is not going to shoot 7 for 9 from 3 every game. You're, 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 Al Horford's honor is going to be 10 for 12 from the floor. You could say that on the other side, too.
0: Well, and what happens on—I did wonder what happens— a team that has—they uh, have been over the course of the last couple of years. Part of their system is shooting an immense amount of threes, right? And which team it, is this? as we said, this is the Sixers. Okay, yeah. And it did not come back to bite them. It didn't matter that they shot a low percentage, or in in a couple of the games against the Heat, right? But if you find the team. And we saw this last year with the Spurs and the Rockets. If you find a team that's not going to let you shoot a high percentage, that's going to run you off the line all the time, then what's happening? Right. And you, you, you will freely admit, um, most of these guys are not like drive to the basket guys. Bellinelli is not going to kill you driving against you. Reddick's not going to kill you driving <laughs> against you. Right. Like, yeah. That's not what these guys do. And so what happens? When you make their life hell beyond the three-point arc, and that's kind of what we saw in game number one, and that's why they end up five uh, of twenty-six. I get it; they <laughs> miss some open ones, but also
1: along those lines, Chris, you know, there's been a lot of statistical studies out there that talk about three-point defense, and and a lot of the, the conclusion usually is that three-point shooting is relatively random, and that three-point defense might not necessarily affect three-point percentages, and and yet. Pretty much annually, a team like Boston has had the best three-point shooting defense, and I do wonder if that's maybe the type of thing that's a little bit hard to quantify sometimes. Um,
0: well, it was because, the hallmark because, of the Spurs for so for many sure. years. Exactly. The Spurs, exactly. there were two things, right? Yep. The Spurs were always good at two things: defending the three-point line and defending the rim. Right, like yeah. that was that like way before this all became in vogue. They were always good at those two things. You can shoot whatever percentage you want from the other spots on the floor, but we are going to attempt to keep you at a low percentage around the bat. So like now everybody says, you know, the lay it up or tray it up. That's kind of the systems. That's why they beat the Rockets last year, right? They were good at that. That's what they, they were able to prevent you from uh, having a, a layup line and they were able to, pre- uh, and they were able to make it hell on you from outside the three point line. And so. I I don't, I don't buy that. I don't buy that it's completely random, especially in specific situations. Some teams are great at that and school their players in that. And for what it's worth, I just pulled up
1: the, the numbers. This season, the Celtics had the number one three-point shooting defense. Last year, it was number two. The year prior, it was fourth. The year before that, it was fourth. And then the year before that, Brad Stevens' first year as Celtics head coach, it was fifth. So they've been top five in each of Brad Stevens' seasons as coach um, and th- an opponent three-point percentage. And may- maybe that's random. I don't think so. I think it's partially systematic.
0: Oh, for sure. How many of these teams do you see get killed from the corner? You don't see Boston getting killed from the corner.
1: Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's certainly—I um, mean, that's what we mentioned kind of at the top, right? You know, Philadelphia— you know shot 5 of 26 it's easy to say next time those game those shots might fall but it's also about the quality of the shot whether it's in the rhythm of the offense um it's there's so many there's so many variables that's a, that's the tough thing with data it's like one thing i'm fascinated by is like what direct like what does a guy shoot when a pass comes from the left side compared to the right side compared to straight ahead like little things like that um I, I wish could be studied a little bit more using all the amazing tracking data we have. That, that's what I'm, I'd really be into because um, qual- quality matters. It's like anybody playing pickup ball, there's always little things that you're more comfortable doing. It's not, ju- it's not, it's not just us. It's also professional athletes too. And I, I, I do wonder, um, it, it, well, sir, it seemed like tonight that this quality of shots Philadelphia was getting from the three-point line wasn't on par what it usually is for them
0: and maybe it is an overreaction and maybe Philly makes the proper adjustments and they look like a radically different team and all of a sudden Terry Rozier is more like 12 point scary Terry yeah. than 29 <laughs> points I mean you know what I mean that's totally possible we've Certainly. seen it right Philadelphia's um, got a
1: really good team
0: no yes doubt. they've got a really good team they got a really good coach and that they make the adjustments in the end I'm watching it tonight and I go they are counting on three guys that have never been here and frankly have never been anywhere they're all you know, like Sorich is Sorich <laughs> is the guy that's played the most games of their three best guys. When you're talking about Simmons, Embiid, and Sorich, like he's for sure, like right. And the other two are really good complementary players. Are uh, When I speak of Redick or the other three Redick, Ilyasova, and uh, Bellinelli. those are the other three contributors. You've already talked about how you you know they got to get more out of Covington, but Simmons, Embiid, and Sorich, this is their first time through unless you want to count the heat which they were obviously just a much better team. They they shot poor percentages and still beat the crap out of them. So they're just way better. Can, did we emphasize enough
1: that like a lot of this starts and ends with Ben Simmons? Uh like like with him being yep. contained, like that's right. what leads to the quality shots when Ben Simmons can touch the paint and kick it out yep. to three like I, I, like again like getting to the tracking data, I would love to see a stat that 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 grades or that counts the amount of times ben simmons drove into the paint and either scored drew a foul or kicked it out for a pass that resulted in a shot attempt and i i would be willing to bet that it was far lower in this game than it usually is over the same amount of minutes um and everything else, like whether it's in the playoffs or over the course of the regular season, he just wasn't getting to the paint as much because Boston was playing spectacular transition defense and that they were also just limiting him any Philadelphia was in the half court. It seemed like, it seemed like the only time Simmons really got in the paint was when he was open, like off ball, certain cuts. There was a great play that they called. Um, out of a timeout in the third quarter that got him a dunk. Uh, there just wasn't a lot of instances that Simmons attacked relentlessly because Boston wasn't letting him get there. The Philadelphia well, needs to figure out a way to get him rolling.
0: Well, and we talked about this in the last series, a series in which they dominated, which is their offense so many times can be predicated upon their defense. That's what they've really got to fix in that film room. How do, how are we not taking the ball out of the, out, 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 of the net? Because that's when those guys are super devastating. That's when Bellinelli and Reddick can just run to their spot and Simmons can either drive to the basket or find them kicking it out on the wing. But the problem is they were taking the ball out of the basket all night. I mean, they, they, they uh, the Celtics had three quarters. Once they got past that first quarter, a quarter in which they won, they went 31 31 30. I mean, you can't be giving up 30 points every single quarter. Um, and because, I mean, you can't, you got to get that kid in some open space. Sure. Playing half court basketball with Ben Simmons as your point guard is when you can really dial up against him. Now all of a sudden it's a little easier to stop. Sure. But if when he's snatching the ball off the rim and he's going end to end, forget it,
1: yeah, only ten fast break points for Philadelphia, and a lot, you know, just to play devil's advocate a little bit here, you know, Boston's not going to get eighty three points a game from horford tatum and and Rozier either. So maybe if you're Philadelphia you're like, okay, that's good. Uh, you know because they're not they're not going to get that every game. So if you're Boston, you need some more explosive games from someone like Marcus Morris. You, you need you need him perhaps to have a big game. Like we talked about Bellinelli needs to have a big game for the Sixers or Covington needs to step up. And for Boston, that could be true too, where they need someone like Marcus Morris to have a big game or Jalen Brown to come back and be
0: himself as well. You don't think Scary Terry's going 7 for 9 from 3 every night? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, he's not. <laughs> but the funny thing is, the funny thing is, Chris, he's done it a couple. I mean, he hasn't got seven out of three, but he's had some explosive scoring games already in this playoff so far. Twenty-six in Game Seven against Drew Bledsoe and the Bucks. Uh, Twenty-three points in Games One and Two. Um, Drew and guess, Bledsoe, yeah. <laughs> huh? you want to hit
0: him with the <laughs> hey, slander and, too? And, uh,
1: it's it's just funny how Rozier wore the Drew Bledsoe jersey to the game and and, and as a podium game too, wearing the Drew Bledsoe jersey. Classic Patriots uniform, pretty funny.
0: <laughs> the real test for uh, old scary Terry. So right, we get to that that round one. He comes out of the gate against the Bucks. He comes out of the gate against the Bucks. Seven of eighteen, four of nine from three. Next game, eight of fourteen, three of five from three. He yep. went twenty three and twenty three in the first two games. He went on the road. He went nine points, ten points. Yep, and, and right, very very in inefficient too. Right in Very those next two ga- in the in those next two games. Now, obviously, as you mentioned, he had 26 in that last one, but I mean, his home road splits have been pretty stark. Scary Terry's a different guy in Boston
1: for sure. Only 24 years old, still getting better. I tweeted this during the game, but like, it feels like this ever since Kyrie Irving, you know, his season ended, Rozier has really earned himself some money ahead of 2019 free agents. He, he's not going to be a free agent until then, but he, he he's certainly showing a lot of potential if given the opportunity to be a starting point guard. If if I'm a team in need of a point guard that isn't in a position to draft one or doesn't really want to sign any of the guys out there this year, I'd be hitting up the Celtics like, you know, what's it going to take, you know? You're not going to overpay, but he's, he's appealing.
0: I profess my love, okay, for Scary. That being said, don't you wonder a little bit and maybe we'll never know what Isaiah Thomas we, we'll never get a good gauge, right, because of the hip thing, and maybe it was just a moment. But when you see Isaiah Thomas have one of the greatest offensive seasons ever, yeah, for a guard, and that's not an and exaggeration then, either.: No, and then you and it was the king of the fourth. remember that I mean yeah. that happened. And then you have Kyrie Irving, who admittedly was already amazing but certainly had no drop off and was having another great season while playing uh, for Brad Stevens. And now you have Terry Rozier. Isn't there at least a part of you that goes, well, geez, maybe this is a little more about the system they're playing in than their individual talents. And maybe Terry Rozier playing for somebody else isn't dropping 30 points in the game, or, you know, 28 points or 26 points or whatever. And I only say that because we saw Thomas, who was, I mean, he was one of the best players in the whole NBA playing for Stevens. And so I do wonder about that a little bit.
1: And Irving had the most efficient scoring season of his career, too. Right. right. Under Brad Stevens. You know, he obviously was tremendous in Cleveland, obviously. Um, but he, the real he, he, the, test the, the, the would be if Terry
0: wise. bumped his toe and, and, and. <laughs> And Shane Larkin has to start a game, and yeah. he goes for twenty seven. Yeah. Then it's like, all right. <laughs> well,
1: I, I think I think a lot of the things Rozier does well would translate to other systems. I think he he's a good defensive player, first of all, so that gives mm-hmm. him a foundation to stay on the court. Um, he's developed into a. Really reliable pick and roll playmaker, and 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 that's something at, at Louisville in college. He he wasn't he wasn't the best decision maker. He's gotten a lot better um, at making reads in the court. Um, he's really learned how to slow down and speed up and play at different speeds. He's, he's can shoot off screens. He can shoot off the move. He's solid off the dribble. Uh, the, the question with him, you know, in terms of what level he reaches is his at-arm finishing, he's had some really, really, like, really nice highlight finishes, but his numbers aren't too good around the rim. Um, Really against contact, sometimes he has some issues, uh, or he takes off from too far away. To me, that that's the question. If I'm another team, is like, what level can Rozier get to? You know, for us, you know, if you're if you're you're the Suns or whoever, a team in need of a point guard, the Magic, you know, what level can Rozier get to as an at room finisher that can allow him to draw more fouls and finish more efficiently? That's what I wonder.
0: I wonder if if a lot of these guys are like the Spurs guys, which are you never hear from them again, or they're certainly. Nowhere near as good as they were when they were playing in San Antonio, right? Who yeah. can you ever remember going, leaving San Antonio and you having a higher opinion of them? And whereas like all the years we thought like, for, you know, whether it's like Bobon or anybody, any Jonathan, Simmons, all the, there's been all manner of guys that have come through there over the years, Gary Neal and on and on and on. And then they go somewhere else and we're like, Oh, you know, like what happened to that guy? Remember when he was playing for the Spurs? We thought he was awesome. I just don't know. I know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. and I do. Am I misremembering this, or was that a thing that Danny Ainge was holding on to Terry Rozier, and people would like? Like, uh, roll their eyes about that. Am I, yeah. am I missed, right? Like, in like, was it, was, it the it George trade or was it um, other deals where it was like, oh, well, the Celtics don't want to get rid of Terry Rozier and everybody was like, what the F? I mean, it's,
1: it's been kind of almost a joke on, on Reddit, uh, and on NBA Twitter that Terry Rozier is untouchable. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and now, and now, and now, Danny Age is like smoking a cigar like Red yeah, yeah. yeah
1: untouchable for the team that blew up its entire roster last summer, despite going to the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> credit, credit, credit to to Celtics ownership for for having the guts to give Ainge the least to do that. Not not a lot of um teams would do that after going to the Eastern Conference Finals. They blew up the whole damn roster, dude. So weird story.
0: <laughs> How about if if. If Danny Ainge came to you and he said, "Kevin, I love your work at the Ringer." Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then he said, <laughs> "And then he said, I can only keep one of them for next year." Smarter, Rosie. I I terror's know here. that they the, are on terror. different. Terror's terror's here. Yeah, no doubt. It, and,
1: and I and I really you would like have more.
0: never said that a month ago. No,
1: I would have. No, I no. That's not true. We just never talked about it. So it's, it's the truth. So Stop. one of my one of my friends, Eric Weiss, um, we him and I have chatted about this for maybe past two years or so you know we, we talk a lot about player value and we talk about who were the guys around the league that that you would target um, you know that might be a little bit undervalued that could turn into a really good player and we've talked about you know the Marcus Smart versus Terry Rozier discussion and and him and I both have agreed for maybe a year and a half now something around those lines that Rozier is the better prospect and it's because of the fact that he has better bursts he's a better shooter it's it, and we're seeing that manifest now with the opportunity that he's been provided smart is a is a truly elite defensive player with his versatility and his really his it factor um but he's he's a poor shooter he's a poor at run finisher and he's not any better as a playmaker than Rozier and we're seeing that now from Terry Rozier and um Rozier's the guy that that, that I would have taken, and that's that's. I mean, I could have been wrong a year ago, but uh, it turned out to be right. I think.
0: I will tell you this: imagine if they had Kyrie and Hayward with uh, this. I swear to God, they win the title. They would have if they if they have Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown added to what I just watched tonight. <laughs> who was beating them?
1: You know what? I, I think I think it's a shame we're not going to get that because Toronto is playing at a really high level right now. Um, and if, let's say, LeBron and the Cavs beat Toronto and they go to the Eastern Conference Finals, we would have that fantastic. Storyline of like this this loaded Celtics team going against LeBron, right? Like the odds would be against LeBron, and if he were to beat that Celtics team, it would be one of the crowning achievements of his entire career. And, and it still would be, for what it's worth, Like it still would be if he gets through Toronto and he gets through the Celtics or the Sixers and goes to the Finals. It still would be a remarkable achievement with this weak Cavaliers roster. Plus, guess what? We we would have gotten Kyrie versus LeBron.
0: Uh, yeah. So what? I guess their theoretical lineup would be those three guys: Kyrie and Horford. You just play them all. You play you, Brown, Tatum, and Gordon. Talk about super versatility, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah. It doesn't even matter who's playing the throw, two. Throw I guess. Her, I, mean, I, guess yeah. I mean, obviously, it'd be Jalen, right? Yeah. So you have um, Jalen Brown, and then you just put Tatum at the four. Are we? I, we're like talking about <laughs> the Celtics. So, we're
1: talking about the Celtics so much. Are we sleeping on the Six the Sixers at all? Just because of one game? Are we?
0: No, I don't think so. Yeah,
1: I, I don't think so either. I, I think. um we kind of covered what they need to do. I think it all starts with Ben Simmons. It really does. Yeah, it I starts mean, with you, listen, you Ben get
0: and, You get 31 and 13 out of Joel Embiid, and, and you get beat by 16? Listen, you're trusting three guys that have never been through it before. You're trusting Sarich, Embiid, and, and, and Simmons. They will make adjustments. I do not think this is going to be some kind of blowout series by any means. So let me get that out of the way. I also think that that was quite the statement tonight and that Brad Stevens can concoct something to confuse guys and make life difficult on guys that have never had to go through this before, right? For sure. They, are, they have been able, they have not faced, in my opinion, they have not faced somebody that has the talent and the game plan like the, what they faced tonight.
1: Well, well, that's the dirty secret of Philly's win streak towards the end of the season. They didn't really beat anybody. I'm just going to read through the teams quickly. Knicks, Nets, Hornets, Grizzlies, Magic, Wolves, Nuggets, Knicks, Hawks, Hornets, Nets, Pistons, Cavs, Mavericks, Hawks, Bucks. There's a couple of good wins in there, but for the most part, there's a lot of weak teams, and they haven't really faced a a, a truly elite defense for a couple of months now. I mean, Miami's defense is really good, but it's not elite, elite. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think certainly there's going to be adjustment for Philadelphia. I mean, obviously, we just watched game one um, facing a defense of that level, of that caliber, um, especially with playoff level intensity with game-to-game preparation because it's not just going to be Philly making adjustments after game one. It's also going to be Boston, too.
0: That's for sure. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk about these games that we are going to have tonight, including the Cavs and Raptors open their series, and the Warriors and the Pelicans are going to play in game two. We'll give our thoughts on those after these words. Support for today's NBA show comes from Microsoft Teams. Microsoft Teams is your hub for teamwork and Office 365. With so much to look after, wouldn't it be great if there was just one place to look? Teams is a single workplace where you can work, share, and connect with the people in your work life. Teams brings together your chats, meetings, files, and apps all in one place. Take teamwork where you work with apps for mobile and desktop. So whether you're sprinting towards a deadline or sharing your next big idea, Teams can help you and your team achieve more. What would this podcast be without teamwork? Me and Kevin have the greatest of teamwork, Microsoft Teams in Office 365. Visit office.com slash Teams to learn more. The Ringer NBA show is also brought to you by Backblade. The Backblade 2.0 is the easiest do-it-yourself back and body shaver, period. If you are the guy afraid to take your shirt off at the gym, the pool, the beach, or even in front of that special someone, because your back and body hair has you looking like you're wearing a sweater, then it's time you escape your ape with the Backblade 2.0. The Backblade 2.0 comes with an ergonomically curved handle, giving you a full range of motion and allowing you to reach all of those hard-to-reach areas. The Backblade 2.0 also comes with two of their unique dry glide patented safety blades, which creates the smoothest shave in just minutes and can be used both wet or dry. I can already think about the three or four friends of mine who have had their fair share of back push and could absolutely use the back blade. Ladies, if you're tired of shaving your man's back for him, this might be the best upcoming Father's Day gift ever. Get your Backblade today at Backblade.com. Use the promo code SHAVE30 and save 30% on a start bundle today. That's Backblade.com, B-A-K-Blade.com, promo code SHAVE30, because at Backblade, we've got your back. All right, Kevin, we are going to have the first game of the other Eastern Conference semifinals matchup, and it is Cavs versus the Raptors. Uh, we saw the end of the, uh, Cavs series against the Pacers over the weekend. One shocking note on that. Did you see that note that said that that game was the most watched first yes. round game in 14 years? Unbelievable. 14 years. <laughs> I mean, the Cavs Pacers of all series, um, most watched uh, first round game in fourteen years. The one that it uh, since uh, April twenty fifth two thousand and four Rockets Lakers game five, a game in which Karl Malone has Carl Malone had Carl Malone unbelievable.
1: <laughs> Can't believe that, hey, hey, uh, man. NBA is on top of the world right now. It feels I like, I guess so.
0: Uh, fourteen <laughs> years has been a long time, and then at the end, uh, LeBron he is a Beaten down man. Now I'm sure it's nothing that a million dollars of re, uh, recuperation equipment that he owns <laughs> yeah. and a bottle of vino can't fix. But he was he was downtrodden after that series. Um, he has an entire franchise on his back. That's probably <laughs> making him a little bit tired. But now they're facing the Raptors, who have been a difficult team over the years to trust, and for good reason. And they also have a LeBron hump to get over. Like, this is the moment. You have this Toronto team who came back, had their best season. They are uh, now facing, I think, what we would say, the worst of the LeBron versions that they have gotten to face So if it doesn't happen for Toronto, you do wonder, like, okay, (laughs) what does it happen? I'm only kidding. No, I'm just saying, but like, honestly, if it doesn't happen, if you can't beat him now, and the one thing I worry about, and I I thought of this this morning when I was getting ready to uh, prepare for this particular series and talking about it, the first thing that came to my mind, do you remember when they lost to him last year, and at the end of the series, DeRozan was at the podium? And his, I'm paraphrasing, but his basic sentiment, people could look this up, was they have LeBron and we don't. Ah, uh, yeah, and yeah. Was, I do remember that and, quote. Yeah. And it was kind of like, all right, like, you know, like, hey, y'all. And I remember, like, lauding him and saying, like, hey, at least you keep it real. Like, that is the truth. Like, in the end, they have LeBron and you don't. But it's not exactly what you want to hear from your star. Um. But that stuck in my mind when I was thinking Raptors, Cavs. Not only is there a a, a mental slash physical hurdle for them to get over, they also, we know how that guy feels, right? Like, I don't think he feels like, all right. Like, I think he, I think that statement does say a lot. It's, I, I laud him for his honesty, but in the other sense, he said that shit, which was, hey man, they got LeBron and we don't. Well, that's why we lose. And so, is that the case now? Yeah, the quote, like was, deep, the
1: quote was, if we had LeBron on our team too, we would have won.
0: Yeah. Okay, so now, yeah. same thing? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. are you able to get over that? Because you clearly feel that, right? You're giving true serum. That's what you feel. We would have won if we had LeBron. We ain't got LeBron. Well, guess what, bro? You ain't got LeBron tonight either.
1: And that's precisely why. Despite the fact that Toronto has the better overall team, they have clearly the better bench. They probably have the better coach. They have the better up and down, go up and down the roster. They have better pretty much everything that you can think of on their team. And yet Cleveland should not be counted out. Because they have LeBron James. It's it's literally that simple. <laughs> it really is that simple, and that's why I picked Cleveland to beat Toronto before the playoffs started. I don't feel that good about that now. but You don't? No, I don't. I, I, I don't because...
0: I mean, tro- it is seven years in a row. <laughs> uh, I... <laughs> i i know i know <laughs> i mean you're not exactly i, I know i mean what if i, I listen? not stupid listen but is they
1: want seven game, but history how much does history matter though it does i mean like right now lebron just went seven games in the first round for the first time in forever after i believe four years straight of sweeping the first round right um it, it, like i don't know how much those years matter when this year's cavaliers team woof I mean, it's just not that good outside of LeBron James. Kevin Love is a complete shell of his former self, and his thumb is hurt. You know, Tristan Thompson had a tremendous first quarter in Game Seven against the Pacers, but oh, the rest of that roster, dude, it's not, do it's it, not are, that is, good.
0: Are they going to do anything? Is Larry Nance, Jordan Clarkson, are they are they going to do anything? It's, it's like
1: it's. It's just not a good roster, and um, Toronto's Toronto's team is really good. It, it's really deep. That bench unit is terrific, especially with with Fred VanVleet back. Um, my my look, you know what? You know what? Well, he's
0: the big difference. I do believe that. I believe uh, their bench. I mean, I watched them several times through the year where Casey would just let him ride, like you know it'd be time to put the starters back in, and yeah. he'd just be like, just let no, him, let him go. Yes, yeah, second second quarter that that last six minutes of the third quarter. You know, they'd come back in that last, whatever, five minutes of the third quarter and he may just let them rock it out, right? Just let them finish the rest of the game out. Um, and he's really like the thing that makes that bench unit go. They've really missed him up to this point. And I think that's why they played in maybe a little harder series against the Wizards than some may have expected. Um, but if they've got Van Fleet back, it's a, especially a different animal against the Cavs who's, Bench is trash. For
1: sure. It, it's it's, it, it's certainly that. Um, I, I think one thing I'm worried about for Toronto, Chris, is that aside from OG Ananobi, who is the primary defender against uh, the Cavalier against LeBron James during the regular season, aside from OG, who's only a rookie, by the way, they don't have a lot of guys on their team that they can put on LeBron and feel any good about the matchup. And even with OG, he's a rookie.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, you don't that, think LeBron's going to get that kid too early fouls? Yeah, and, that, and, and that's then, part right? of it. Like who
1: who goes on LeBron? Like let's say OG's in foul trouble. Serge Ibaka is not what he used to be on defense anymore. Um Demar DeRozan can't, you know, Kyle Lowry is too small. Uh, Siakam, uh, perhaps. Um but I don't think he's the quality of the defender necessary to even think even neutralize LeBron James. OG is going to have to have a tremendous series against LeBron in order to force Cleveland's other guys to beat them. Um and granted LeBron's still going to get his numbers. LeBron's going to be No, nah, we
0: pencil him in for 40. And so now we got to figure out where Pretty the much. other 60, yeah. 60 you know 60 or 70 come from. And that's the that's the trick. Right? But I mean, where is <laughs> where are Jordan Clarkson and Rodney Hood and Larry I mean, these guys, they just I don't know. I uh,
1: it's it's almost like we we overreacted to uh to the to Cavaliers' trade deadline, with them getting um, and that uh, passes prime point guard with an injury-prone wing and in Rodney Hood, uh, inexperienced big man and Larry Nance, and an inconsistent guard in Jordan Clarkson. I, th- I think me and a lot of others overreacted to it. I still think it was a necessary move to to give them themselves a shot. Like Isaiah Thomas isn't even playing anymore, right? But they probably but the shouldn't. Other have given, thing, th- th- the they, other thing they, they, thing they probably is shouldn't now... give up that first round pick. <laughs> that's one thing. Well, in the Lakers here, that's gonna here's what him. I'll say.
0: I, let me, let me make an excuse for them. Okay. They're throwing it all together in like 20 games. And now you're playing against teams that all they can do. It's not like on a, a random night, a random Tuesday night against somebody that might be on a back to back or whatever. Now you are playing against a team that hones in on you and only you. And yeah. you don't even know you all that well. And that's why I think you're seeing the kind of basketball you are out of the Cavs. Just LeBron and then whatever else, right? But they're clearly not on a string defensively. They're not in sync offensively. And how could they be? They've logged they've logged a sample size of minutes playing with each other. That like any anybody that would want to do statistical analysis would scoff at. They'd say that's not enough minutes to get a sample out of, right? How do we know if if it's not a good lineup with? Rodney Hood and Jordan Clarkson and LeBron and Larry Nance or whatever, right? Like these guys. I mean, it was thrown together in what mid late February, Is yeah, right? Early February,
1: February sixth okay. trade
0: deadline now. Okay, so how many games you got after that? Twenty, not a lot. If you what was yeah, I mean not you're talking. Of, you ain't got a lot of games to throw that together, and so when you don't even really know yourself and playing together as a group and have they clearly don't have chemistry they don't as a team it's just some nights it clicks and some nights it doesn't and when you've got a team that's just all they're trying to do is figure out how to stop you um you know when you don't know yourself it's certainly hard to attack uh, you know an opponent if if LeBron James were replaced with an average player,
1: let's just like a comparable you know skill set forward. Let me let me restate that: not a comparable, comparable skill set, but a guy who plays the same position, like Trevor Booker, a, a big man who can handle the ball, like LeBron. Trevor Booker. If, yeah, like, if LeBron James was yeah, replaced with Trevor yeah, Booker, but, 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 yeah. My, my question is: how many games would this Cavaliers roster win during the regular season? They won fifty with this team. How many would they have won? replacing LeBron James with, with Trevor Brooker.
0: <laughs> well, you know. over. You on, know our, let, me, let
1: me make it easy. Over, under 29 and a half. Would they win 30?
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say over, under 50, and you were going to go with our no. boss's <laughs> Patrick Ewing theory. <laughs> no, Are you saying no, that you don't believe no. that LeBron could, no. could apply no, to I, the I, Ewing theory? I, I want to know how bad you think
1: the roster is like without LeBron. If, if LeBron were taken it's off. disgusting. Like, yeah, it's probably like a 22-win team or something like that.
0: I would say
1: I would want... Is it worse than the Suns, no, Grizzlies, no, no. Hawks, and Mavericks? Is it worse than any uh, of those four teams?
0: Healthy? Are you saying those teams healthy? Give me a number, Chris. How how, how many games would they win?
1: <laughs> I'd say under. Under, yeah, me too. I, I think like 20. With Trevor tw- Booker? 23. Listen, these...
0: Trevor Booker. Dude, half the guys like legitimately suck. All right, so I say... Clarkson, Love, Nance Jr. Those might only I'm I'm dead serious. Like if I ran a team and they called me and said, like, who do you want? I I don't know. I, I certainly would not I don't care about Calderon Green. Hood is whatever. He's he's replacement level to me. And he's in Corvers, long in the tooth, uh, Seti Osman, Kendrick Perkins, J. R. Tristan. Ocaro White, okay, yeah, I don't care about any of these guys. No, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's LeBron. Le- LeBron is throwing that thing on his back, and
1: he, he is he is a, a
0: okay. Tri- now that I look at it, your pick is stupid. Wait, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? Now, now that I actually look at their roster again, your your pick of them winning is dumb.
1: <laughs> oh, of them beating the Raptors?
0: <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, it's still uh, LeBron. It's still LeBron.
1: Wait a minute, I'm confused. Who's who? Do you think is going to win the series?
0: The Cavs. Now, okay. and this is the only reason I'm saying that. I'm
1: picking. i the Cavs too. This just because it difficult. was my pick before the playoffs. No, it's the very. Diffi-
0: it's <laughs> very difficult for me to do that after you just made me look at their roster again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that I'm looking. Now that I'm looking at their roster again, it feels very. You know how they do like the and like the you know like it would be. Like, I made one years ago when the Grizzlies made the Western Conference playoffs, and it was like Mike and Tony and Zebo and Mark and and Tayshon, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, what does that shirt even say? (laughs) 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 LeBron and Kevin and what? Uh, uh, It's just a (laughs) blank. No, like, what what were the other? Uh, Like, if I said, hey, I want to do a Cavs lineup shirt. You know what I'm saying? Like seriously, I, I
1: wonder if there's one to buy online. I wonder, like, what I would have to Google. No, to like, who would
0: who would give me the other three? George. Okay, so George Hill. So it'd be George. Would, would it be George? George and Why LeBron. Why would it be George Hill though? Well, he's your starting point guard.
1: Eh, not in Game Seven. Coming off the bench, <laughs> maybe moving forward if he's. You see.
0: put healthy. Jose. How about Jose? Jeff? How
1: about Jeff oh. Green? Le- LeBron and Kevin and Jeff and Kyle, something like that.
0: <laughs> and 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 Tristan. We'll throw Tristan
1: there. Or maybe you just put a shirt out there that just simply says LeBron
0: on it. Seriously, the lowest-selling shirt of all time would be the Cavs lineup shirt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It it would sell better if you just put just LeBron's name on there. That would be a great shirt. Okay, A shirt just says LeBron on it.
0: I want to believe that Toronto can pull it off. Here's what I'm saying. I'm only saying the Cavs because I'm hedging against the seven years. If I say LeBron won't win and he does, I feel like an imbecile. If I say LeBron, or I'm sorry, if I say LeBron, yeah, won't win and then he does, I feel like an imbecile. If I say LeBron wins and then he doesn't, then it's like, all right, like he didn't win for the, like, oh, sorry, I banked on you know what we've done for the last seven years is people trying to pick against him and then in the end he ends up in the NBA finals when am I going to learn my lesson and the other thing is I get the shit all over you with the Jordan stuff (laughs) Come so,
1: on, man. So, can, how, how about this? If, if LeBron beats the Raptors with this team, and then he beats the Celtics or the Sixers and goes oh, to the stop, finals,
0: stop, stop, stop. can we please stop no, talking about the Raptor? But, this Raptor, the 2018 Raptors, like he's beating the 84 Celtics. Oh, but Come what on. I'm saying
1: is, like, it's so more about down. it's more about his team, Chris. If LeBron gets this team that you're oh. saying they can't make a, a lineup shirt out of, if he gets this team. To the finals, it's not it's not going to change the goat argument for you. But is it is it not one of his more unbelievable accomplishments
0: to get this yes. team to the finals? I tell you this: if he goes six or seven against this team, which I think that probably you know, I think it's fair to say we think that series is going to be long. Either way, it's going to be six or seven games, right? We agree. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the next round can really be a bitch. Mm-hmm. Seriously, because if you're playing, because he goes forty five minutes every night. So if he And that was the thing. He always got to coast through the first round. But if you're talking about he's logged, you know, 13 or 14 playoff games already, playing 45 at the night, and now he's got to go up either against the Celtics or the Sixers, yikes. That's where he becomes really – I mean, at some point, right, you can't just go back to the well every single night. Can you? I guess you can if you're him. He's a machine. He should have been in that damn Infinity Wars.
1: Oh, and by the way, Chris, if LeBron does get these, this team to the finals, and they're going to get smoked by Golden State or Houston, you know, you know, you're you're, you're next next season when we talk about this, you're going to be saying, "Oh, LeBron's three and six in the finals. He's lost six finals." That's why Use against him as the argument, even though actually getting that team to the finals, just like the 0-7 Cleveland Cavaliers team with Booby Gibson and and wow. all these bums getting them to the finals against the Spurs. Come on, man! If you, it, it, if, it, if, you,
0: sl- you can't hey, use a hey, finals loss against him. Don't you dare slander Larry Hughes in my in my face, Drew don't Gooden. You dare Drew Gooden too? Larry Hughes. Hey, listen if Brad Stevens coached him, You'd be like, these guys are good players. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> stop, 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 stop ball washing, Brad Stevens. These guys are great. Drew Gooden and whoever else right I mean um, yeah, no I mind. told you this if 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 LeBron wins a title having to play with Jeff Green I will I will vault him over Jordan how
1: about how about gets to the finals of this year's team with Jeff Green playing heavy minutes
0: well, why does he
1: have to win the title
0: no, I've already, listen, you already I know, got a cue. I know. Hey, I it's know. already we're queued not, up we're anyway. We're not going
1: to get into the LeVron Goat argument. I know.
0: No, no, no. It. it I've got it queued up anyway, because let's just say we think this, if, if if the Celtics win the series, it's like, oh, wow, he beat the Celtics without their frigging yeah, five best players. <laughs> uh, Please stop talking about the Toronto Raptors like they're the. Dude, the
1: Raptors are a good players. team. Come on. They're a good team, Chris.
0: They are a good team. A really good not, team. Not, None of these East teams are like all timers. Come on. Of course they're not. What
1: about? Oh, come on, dude.
0: Let's. say... Hey, it's
1: not like Jordan beat all all timer teams in the playoffs either. Each every year. I didn't say he beat all.
0: Uh, they, they, yeah, no, but, but why is that the expectation for
1: LeBron? No, his no, team, no got, his
0: his team. I'm we, just saying you're like if he beats this uh, team, it come on, like come on. It's, no, like,
1: it's, what, what, <laughs> it's it, what I'm actually saying is if he beats the Raptors with this team, like his. His teammates with Jeff Green, with old Kyle Corver and Jose Calderon and George Hill and Roddy Hood, who can't stay on the floor. If he does it with this team, his team, that's a remarkable achievement.
0: I'll just say they're great players and we underrated them. <sighs> <laughs> Rodney yeah, I know you will. Ever. I know. <laughs> <Larry> <laughs> you, 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 a couple, Mance, couple weeks
1: from now. A couple weeks from now. Remember that Larry. podcast we did on Monday night after game one of Celtics yeah, it Sixers when we, when we trashed the <laughs> Cleveland Cowboys <laughs> roster? We were wrong.
0: And after the Sixers won that series 4-1. to one. <laughs> 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 It's scary. Terry averaged yeah, 2.3 point, points per game. Yeah, Ben Simmons <laughs> oh, starts that's going a problem with the It's a problem with the instant reaction stuff. I'm well aware you can end up looking foolish, right? Like it's totally possible. By next Tuesday, we're like, oh, God.
1: I'll tell you what, though. Got to instant react, instant react because that's what the coaches are doing, too. They're thinking about, oh, what, what do we yes. have to do next game? What adjustments need to be made based off okay. this one game?
0: Well, I'm what a perfect segue because there are adjustments to be made, uh, severe ones, by the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, Good it luck. is Alvin Gentry's charge to make this a more competitive series than it appeared to be in game one, stuck around there for a while, right? Mm. <laughs> First quarter, for, then, for for a couple minutes, you know. But well, they g- got forty one, I think, dropped on them in the second quarter. I think it was. Oh boy, um, yeah. And then it kind of it kind of felt decided, honestly, after that. And so the uh, the final margin was twenty plus. Now, what we know throughout NBA history is if usually somebody gets. Maimed in the way that, uh, the Pelicans did. The next game's usually close. And there's, you know, we've talked about this before. There's so much psychology that goes into it. The team that gets killed, they make all, they've got a ton of adjustments to make, right? To make life harder on the other team and easier for them. Whereas it is a more difficult proposition for the winning team to go into that film room and say, here's what we need to do different. Right. And so, you typically get a much more competitive game in game number two. And there are several examples over the course of the last couple of years where we have seen series that we thought after watching one game, oh, God, this is not going to be competitive at all. And then game two, maybe it wasn't uh, either it was a close loss or the, the team that lost game one had a, a shocking result in game two. I actually lean towards that. I think the Pelicans are going to be very competitive tonight against the uh, Golden State Warriors. What say you?
1: Stephen Curry's probable even with him back at home at Oracle Arena in the starting lineup instead of Nick Young starting their death lineup, Draymond Green, Andre Godala, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry even even then?
0: Yes, because I actually Mm. think this is weird. The psychology of that because I'm a master of psychology would be that you could dick around when Curry's back. I don't know if you if you have him back in the lineup if you're keyed up to a thousand right men and I say that he'll probably have thirty points in the first half. um I just think that you're gonna make like you'll see the pelicans they're going to uh they're gonna alter what they do a lot and and I think that the i <laughs> I'm not willing to give up what I saw, which was the Pelicans were really damn good. Kev. I know they got smoked in game one um, by a team that was, uh, you know, that was loaded for bear and ran off on them. Um, but I watched that Pelicans team down the stretch and I watched that Pelicans team totally dispose of the blazers. And I don't think they're a team that's going to get their ass kicked every night in this series. I thought they'd be able to challenge the warriors and so it would be against my gut to think that they can't be competitive in a game two.
1: That's fair. Uh, I picked I picked the Warriors to win the series in five, so I I also picked them to win a game. Um, but with Stephen Curry returning for Game Two, which is a l- little bit unexpected, uh, know, with with the fact that what New Orleans did against Portland that was so effective uh, is where they were trapping and blitzing pick and rolls and 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 Anthony Davis was on Al Farouk Aminu when he was able to roam and really just disrupt passing lanes, able to help on Dame and C.J. McCollum. Um, that's not going to work against Golden State because reason one, Golden State doesn't run a lot of pick and rolls, so they don't have a lot of opportunities to do that. And, yeah. and secondly, one of, the, one of the things that defenses can trap and they can blitz and they can hedge against teams that don't have a, like a secondary playmaker or, or a big man that can really make you pay, uh, Golden State, is a roster littered with guys that can make you pay. Um, so I'm not sure the things that New Orleans did well in, in the first series against Portland uh, are at all can be can at all be applied to this series against Golden State. And their defense was different; they switched more on ball screens rather than uh, blitzing. Um, they did change their defense, and I think they do need to switch even a, a little bit more so off ball um, as well. But. I don't know, dude. Uh, well, the other thing I, I, that I scares me, and I don't, feel and good I don't at all for both the series for the I don't. Roles. I, don't, feel I good. don't
0: think. I don't think Gentry will probably do it because they went through this, you know, uh, very, uh, very serious change in gameplay post Boogie, which was they became the fastest paced team in the NBA, and I think that is absolute suicide against uh, against Golden State. I've told you this. We, this has been an ongoing theme throughout the season whether it is the Rockets or the Warriors, and it'd be very interesting to see those teams play against each other, what you want to do is get them uncomfortable and play a game in the 90s if you can. If you want to teeter a little bit above 100, fine. But what you can't do is get in some kind of score fest with those teams. You want to limit the possessions. You want to make life hell on them. And you want to play as much half-court basketball as you can against them. Because if you want to get in the track meet, you don't have the horses. Yeah, that once those possessions start getting up there, Houston's just <laughs> going to bomb you out, and Golden State's going to bomb you out. And I don't think Golden, I, I don't think New Orleans, I don't know, man. is going to slow it down. You've seen it. You saw the Spurs do it. You've seen. I tell you, if Utah had Rubio, they could do it against Houston. <laughs>
1: Let's be real here. Golden State had the number one half court scoring offense. They had a. The number five half court defense.
0: Well, there's not a stat you're gonna find that they're not. I know, I know,
1: but my point is, is that like we're talking about how New Orleans can even like win a game, <laughs> not like win the series, win oh, a game. Yes. You, you know what they need? They need Anthony Davis to have one of his forty and twenty games, and they need to have like a hot three point shooting game. They just the, adjustments, the adjustments matter a lot. But Golden State is gonna win this series. the series, no. but to win a game, to steal a game, maybe steal two games. They just need Anthony Davis to just be the guy they that he also was have to be great. in the past months.
0: They have to be, obviously, much better defensively. For sure. And they got two really good defensive guards, and that didn't even matter they need to
1: to switch more michael Pina from from vox wrote a, a really good article um today i believe uh, or yesterday actually um about the defensive adjustments from New Orleans' needs to made and he hit the nail on the head it's really a lot of the off ball cuts uh, the, the golden state um they they were they were essentially Clay Thompson would run around screens, and it was situations where you would expect perhaps New Orleans would switch a screen, but it, uh, rather than passing to the guy going through the screen, they would go through the guy setting the screen. It was interesting wrinkle, but from Golden State that they've done all season, of course. They're one of the highest frequency cutting teams in the league, but I think New Orleans would be better served of uh, switching those screens, so that's something to look for in Game 2. Um, but even, even then, though, that's like still a risky uh, risk, though, because if you're, if you're getting a larger defender matched up on a, a quicker guy, that can get you in trouble as well if you're, if you're facing an isolation. But maybe that's preferable to open layoffs of, off of cuts.
0: Yeah, it, and you would th- it, the other disappointing thing is you would think if there's somebody that would know pretty well how to deal with, uh, with the opponent, it would be Gentry. Like, how could you, how, how does he not know? Sure. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it, when you come out the gate and get blasted that way, it's like, uh, you had a guy on the inside. Like, if there's somebody that would say, Hey, this is what gives Clay trouble. This is what gives Kevin trouble. This is what, right? Whoever it may be, certainly more so with Clay and Draymond than, right? Because he's, because he's been gone since they got Duran, but you would think he would have, you know, he's, He's certainly been alongside Steve Kerr uh, for some amount of time, and it it doesn't matter. I mean, honestly, you watch those games, and it's like, it really doesn't matter. We can analyze it all we want. In the end, <laughs> they still got friggin' Kevin Durant and yeah. Draymond Green and Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, and you can play any style and you can play any defense, and you could do this and you could do that, and they're still
1: beat you. I gotta be totally real with you. I'm already thinking about Golden State Houston, how those teams are gonna Damn. match up. I, I'm already at that point. I'm already that thinking way, about I, how those teams are going to match up.
0: I hate Rubio got hurt so yeah, bad. You know. I really do. Cause they were like, what, like 34 and eight or something like that yeah. in their last 42 games. It was not a small sample size. They, and that Utah team was rocking. And I really think that could have been a great series, but they have to, and they, they got to have Rubio. You know what I mean? They got to have Rubio. I don't think that they're going to maul them out though completely you think Houston's just going to just demolish them yeah. i mean they didn't demolish minnesota yeah
1: i think both both Houston and Golden State sweep i i really? I, I had new orleans in 5 before the series i think but um i think at least minnesotas was was in
0: some competitive games you know what i'm saying
1: sure and, and you and look i mean i could be completely underselling utah here they're they're a really really good team um but rubio is quite a
0: loss for them big loss all right well we'll see uh boy you think uh Whoever's going to be doing the Wednesday podcast, you thought we got to overreact? Wait till friggin' game one of LeBron and the Raptors is what they're talking about tomorrow. Hell yeah, baby. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I can't wait. I have no idea what's going to happen. None. Do you? I feel like I've got no gauge on that. I mean, I've got a gauge that LeBron will be awesome, but in terms of I can't imagine the reactions on wednesday morning one way or the other because I, I certainly know. have very little confidence of what's going to take place if, in that particular game. cleveland
1: day. goes into toronto and, and wins <laughs> boy yeah, i know I, I think i think that would be almost the more it wouldn't be stunning but that would be the more dramatic <laughs> night um if that were to happen whereas if toronto takes care of business it's like oh yep they are kind of you or know, the what, other what thing is their
0: their home court um, I was it's talking to rocking. my buddy, uh, I was talking to my buddy Kevin Arnovitz, who'd been covering that series, uh, the Raptors and the, um, and the Wizards. And I was talking to him about, cause I, oh, I, one of the things I asked him, I was like, you know how like, uh, the Wizards have won all of these home games the last two years. Yeah. Like they haven't lost a playoff home game. I'm like, is their environment crazy? And he's like, no, it's like league average, like whatever. And he said, Toronto is an absolute madhouse. He said you go in there for playoff games and he's like cuz they're hockey fans and he's like it's yeah. just nuts. Absolutely like that is a real like m- major home court advantage environment.
1: There so, there's some good ones, you know, bo- both Boston and Philadelphia oh, yeah. tremendous home crowd. Toronto fantastic. Utah unbelievable home crowd. Golden State as well. So some some re- <laughs> really rocking
0: It appears Utah can get under people's skin.
1: (laughs) Especially (laughs) Russell Westbrook. That was something else at the end of that game, wasn't it?
0: He slapped that dude's phone. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that. hey how scared was that guy how, how scared was that guy that the when he walked out and he yelled oh, something yeah. <laughs> and, and, and russ made him flinch unbelievable I would, man can you imagine if you had to go to work the next day after oh russ God. turned to you you're talking you're <sighs> yelling whatever all manner of things at him and russ turned to you and you were like oh no
1: <laughs> it, it, it's like it's like if the guy's name is charles it's like hey charles look at this video it's like just a video on loop of him flinching at russell westbrook i know it's it, like rick, a, it's like it's like the new rick roll for his, his own personal life
0: the, that's right. It was, it, that, is, that was a Twitter egg in real life. That's what that was. Yeah. That moment, <laughs> the moment that the Twitter egg actually gets acknowledged.
1: By the way, are we ever going to see the video that the guy took of when Russell Westbrook tried slapping the phone out of his hand? Is that going to ever come out? Guys, are we, are we, is that like up on LiveLeak or something like that? No. Like, that, guy where died, is it?
0: It, that guy died of humiliation. You didn't oh, hear? come
1: on. Yeah. yeah, he uploaded the video probably to like his Facebook and that's it he's probably like not on Twitter which is unfortunate we gotta find that video
0: you if, if that you video. know
1: the guy if you know the guy who whose phone almost got slapped out of his hand from Russell Westbrook we wanna see the video here at the Ringer NBA show that's our only mission right now
0: who was the other guy that slapped the phone completely you remember that happened earlier this year and the, and yeah, the guy got fined yeah, real bad yeah. who was that um, cause it wasn't like Rodney it wasn't like, Hood it was
1: Rodney
0: <laughs> Hood <laughs> I googled it. I,
1: I, I um, my memory is right not that dude. good, but uh, watch out, Toronto! <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> watch out! Yeah, well. All right, that's gonna do it uh, for the Ringer <laughs> NBA show. It's fun to do it on a Monday night. Hope this everybody uh, digs the show. If you dig what you heard, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It certainly helps. And Kevin, I will talk to you next week. This is fun. Have a good one, Chris. Thanks, brother. Hey!